0: That from the bottom of my heart, I'm a, I'm a North Carolina boy. So winter does not agree with me, Um, and you know, um, so Rollin and I, he he went to UNC, I went to Duke, Um, and if that doesn't show you that the gospel can overcome every difference, um, then really what does? I mean, once you once you get the basketball affiliation out of the way, these smaller matters just uh, seem much more easy to overcome uh, for the gospel. but anyway, I, you know, so that was five weeks ago, and then um, I usually don't really get a, uh, like, I don't fly in and then think of something new, um, although maybe there was a word for me yesterday. I was coming in on the L with my son, and I saw this message, are you ready to begin the journey to fuller, thicker hair? Um, and I thought to myself, well, actually, maybe that is for me, I don't know, but, um, so, this, uh, this morning, though, the joking aside, um, this morning I was... Um, just reflecting, and I I wanted to share these two verses real quick, not part of the message. Uh, This is Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and the left. Your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Um, I didn't realize when I was hearing this that you guys literally have curtains in your, um, this is kind of like an old school metaphor, but you have them here, so get ready to expand and stretch them out and push them back so that there's uh, more room for people here. We did the tilt thing yesterday where you lean out over the city of Chicago, and um, it, it was nice to sort of look to the right and to the left and say, we're going to expand into these places with the gospel. Uh, amen. Um, so let me, uh, with that said, I'm going to um, launch into the main message, so, so let's, uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, God, that it's so incredible that each time we, we open your word, you have a message for us. Thank you. It's not just some dead document, but it's, it's living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the judging soul and spirit, joints and marrow, the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that your word has that power. We ask you now to speak to us. Amen. Amen. So um, a brief disclaimer, um, my, my comfort zone is really just focusing on one passage in a message, going deep and going verse by verse. Um, that's, that's where I typically like to inhabit. Today we're going to go to a few different passages, um, but hopefully you'll forgive it uh, when you see kind of the, the theme that, that uh, as I said, came to, came to me five weeks ago. Um, so I want to talk today and, and the, the topic is really five breakthroughs, okay? Five breakthroughs uh, that we see in scripture and the way that they uh, unfold over time. Uh, so first, uh, the first breakthrough uh, starts in Genesis chapter 38. Uh, there's a woman named Tamar. Uh, she's a Canaanite woman, so outside of kind of the nation of Israel. Um, and she marries one of Judah's sons. Uh, Judah's son is very wicked and he dies. Uh, she marries the next son. The next son also dies. Um, and then Judah says, Well, I'm not going to give her my third son because he'll probably get killed too. Um, so, so she's basically a widow. She's been abandoned. She hasn't been treated right under the law. Um, and then she becomes, uh, she becomes pregnant, really, in kind of an inappropriate fashion. Um, and then we, we come to Genesis 38. Uh, verse 27, and I think we may have the the verses may miraculously appear. Okay, so um, so this is uh, Genesis uh, 38, 27 through 30. Came to pass at the time for giving birth that behold, twins were in her womb. And so it was when she was giving birth that the one put out his hand, and the midwife took a scarlet thread and bound it on his hand, saying, "This one came out first. Then it happened as he drew back his hand that his brother came out unexpectedly, and she said how did you break through? This breach be upon you. Therefore, his name was called Perez. Afterward, his brother came who had the scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zerah. So basically, here's what's happening. there are twins, and one starts to be born first. And so the midwife's like, okay, well, he's going to be the firstborn and get all the privileges that accrue to that. So let me just tie the scarlet thread on him so we don't confuse them later since they're twins." Um, while she's doing that, the other baby just kind of jumps out first. Um, and so he gets the name Perez, which literally means breakthrough, right? Literally, um, when it seemed like someone else was going to be born first, Perez just kind of like jumped out and said, I'm here first, and actually I'm going to be the firstborn, okay? And so he, his name literally meant breakthrough. Um, to understand the importance of this, you have to know in that culture just how vitally important sort of being born first, what you call primogeniture really was, right? So um, you may remember when Isaac came um, to bless his sons, Jacob and Esau, Jacob by a disguise showed up and got this huge blessing and then Esau showed up later and what did Isaac say? He said, well what else can I give you? I've given him everything else already, right? So the firstborn was, it wasn't kind of like a um, you know, when Tracy and I in our will, we have four children, there's an even split. But in those times, it was kind of like the firstborn's gonna get basically everything, and if the firstborn's nice, then maybe the other kids will be taken care of also subsequently, right? So it was vitally important in that time um, kind of to be born first. And, and this is what happened with Perez, right? So he, he had this kind of zeal. He had this energy to burst out and receive the blessing of God. And what's, what's interesting is you see again and again in scripture, um, how God sees long before someone's even born. Do You remember when Rebecca was pregnant, and she's like, well, it feels like there's a, almost like there's a war going on inside of me. And she seeks the Lord, and the Lord says, there are two nations in your womb. So isn't that fascinating, right? That, you know, in, in human society, it's kind of like, well, there are two babies in there, but not how God sees. God said, there are actually two nations in your womb. And here's how it's going to play out, right? So God is already seeing and is birthing something. And so even in the womb, this is the spirit that Perez really embodied, right? He, he was the spirit of breakthrough. He overcame the obstacle of his brother trying to punch out first and he just flew to the front, right? Um, and because of that, he becomes an example of how through the grace of God, someone can have the spirit of break through it and punch through um, various obstacles. I mean, so again, you think about it and like so many other stories in the Bible, it's fair to ask the question, well, why why Perez, right? He's the the son of an illegitimate union. Um, The nation of Israel was very focused on kind of insiders and outsiders, right? And he's the son of a Canaanite woman. Um, But God shows him this grace and he punctures through to receive what God's purpose for him was, okay? So think about, Perez, you know, as we, as we go through all these other examples, Perez is the guy who kind of kicked this process off, and it started at, at the moment of his birth. So let's roll on. So that was kind of, if you will, an individual breakthrough. Now let's move on to what I would call a, a familial breakthrough, okay? So um, again, you have someone you probably might not expect would be destined for this kind of great story. Um, Her name was Ruth. Uh, She was a Moabitess, okay? So she was not, um, again, not in the nation of Israel. Uh, There was a famine in Israel. So um, a family moved there um, to Moab. Uh, Then the husband died, and then both sons died, but they had already married Moabitess women, right? And so Naomi says to her daughters-in-law, look, this isn't gonna... I've got nothing for you back home, so you should stay here with your people, right? And one of the two daughters-in-law, Orpah, says, okay, I will. Um, Ruth says, I'm going where you're going, all right? I'm staying where you're staying. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. Nothing but death is going to separate us. So she makes that commitment, and she goes back, but really ahead of her, in the natural sense, is the prospect of a life of destitution, right? It's pretty, it's pretty hard to be the widow and the daughter-in-law of another widow, right? There's, there's sort of a lot of, um, there's multiple mouths to feed and no evidence of where to find it, right? So um, to make a long story short, she works in the field of Boaz. Um, she and Boaz are about to get married, and uh, we pick up in Ruth chapter 4, uh, verse 9. Boaz said to the elders and all the people, Uh, "'Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malin, "'I have acquired as my wife "'to perpetuate the name of the dead "'through his inheritance, "'that the name of the dead "'may not be cut off from among his brethren "'and from his position at the gate. "'You are witnesses this day. "'And all the people who are at the gate "'and the elders said, "'We are witnesses. "'The Lord make the woman "'who is coming to your house "'like Rachel and Leah, "'the two who built the house of Israel. "'And may you prosper in Ephrathah "'and be famous in Bethlehem. "'May your house be like the house of Perez.' whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and bore a son. And then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative and may his name be famous in Israel. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron, Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Aminadab. This is the kind of stuff it's easy to blow through very fast, but think about what we're realizing here. Aminadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz. Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David. So you see what's happened here, right? The, the sort of, the thing that started with one individual and one individual's breakthrough has turned into the breakthrough for an entire family. Now, think about it. In this town, when they bless someone who's getting married, they say, I hope you're like Perez, right? So, it starts, a breakthrough begins with a single individual, and now a family is talking about it and being transformed by it. And, they're saying, and so if you count down uh, however many generations it is, seven or eight, you get from Perez all the way to Obed, who becomes the grandson of King David, right? And so remember, Ruth has been told by Naomi, there's nothing for you in Israel, right? There's no hope. There's no, there's, you should just stay with your people, and maybe you'll be able to eke out a an existence here. Um, but Ruth makes a choice. She makes a decision. She says, no, I'm, I'm leaving this place I know. She, she married um, in Moab, and the expectation was they'd stay there. But she said, I'm going to be committed to you. I'm going to be faithful to you, and I'm going to go to a different city I don't know about, to a place I don't know about, and I'm going to trust God to provide, right? And this is what's happened to her. She shows respect. She shows loyalty. She shows diligence. Um, and she becomes the one who births the grandfather of King David, right? So something's happened, and now what started with one individual, Perez, now it's touching a whole family tree, right? Now everybody, when they give a blessing, they say, I hope you end up like Perez because of what he birthed and he began. And that blessing has extended from just kind of one individual story. Now it's the legacy of an entire family. Okay, you see that? So that's what God's doing here. Um, again, we can ask the same question about Perez that we asked about, and we can ask the same question about Ruth. Like, why Ruth, right? You would have looked at the circumstances and said, she's a widow, and she's a widow that might even fall outside the safety net of Israel um, because she's an outsider, right? But God, in his grace, enabled her to be part of the lineage of King David, right? Um, it's incredible. So she, she received that grace from God and she broke through to accomplish the purpose that God had for her. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about David uh, who also came from this line that is traced back to, to Perez. David was the youngest of eight sons and when it was time for a new king after Saul had demonstrated by continued willful disobedience, that he wasn't God's man for the job. Um, God told Samuel the prophet, go to Bethlehem and among the sons of Jesse you'll find a king, right? And so it was time for a feast and they said, oh the prophet's here, let's gather everybody. Well, except uh, David, he's kind of the youngest, doesn't really matter, we'll leave him out there with the sheep, right? And so later when Samuel said, we're actually not going to start the feast until you parade your sons before me one by one. So all seven sons parade by and every one the Holy Spirit says, this isn't my king. This isn't the one I've chosen to anoint. Um, David's not even there, right? He wasn't even invited to be part of this kind of procession, this beauty pageant, if you will. Um, He's out taking care of the sheep. Um, But it didn't matter that uh, he, he was there to promote himself. What mattered is that the Holy Spirit knew his heart and said, Samuel, none of these is the right one, it's actually going to be David, right? And so David gets anointed, and life pretty much externally, even though the scripture says the spirit came onto him from that day, life continues pretty much the same, right? He's still out there taking care of the sheep, Um, his older brothers go off to war, some of them, and then, you know, his father doesn't realize, his father still kind of views him as an errand boy, And he says, I got this cheese and this bread and why don't you take it and take it to your brothers, take it to their commanding officer and, um, you know, just kind of show up and bring them some food from home. Um, Nobody's thinking that David is going to bring any kind of breakthrough or transformation, okay? Um, He's just really showing up on an errand to bring food. And when he does, his older brother rebukes him and says, how dare you come here just to kind of watch the show? (laughs) <laughs> and David's like, "What are you, what are you saying to me? I'm just, I'm just here to bring food, right?" But then, uh, something happens, and we, we pick up in First uh, Samuel seventeen twenty three. As David talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them, and all the army, all the armies of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and were dreadfully afraid. Uh, So I I don't have the whole story here. It's a very long chapter, but it's a familiar one. David says, hey, why why is everyone afraid? And who's this guy who dares to insult the armies of the living God? I'm going to do something about it, okay? Um, And so David talks to King Saul. King Saul says, no, you're not ready. Um, A lot of things ensue. But finally, David's allowed to go out. He picks up these five smooth stones. He goes out. Goliath taunts him. Um, and David responds like this. Verse 45, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly will know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so the stone stank into his, sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him. And cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that the champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah rose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley into the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sherem, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. So, what's just happened, right? David's been discounted by his father. He's been discounted by his brother. He's been discounted by the king. Everyone said, you can't do this. They're looking at the circumstances, right? He's just an afterthought in the eyes of man. But he's, in the eyes of God, he's his hand-picked agent to accomplish his purpose, okay? So remember when we talked about Ruth, we said, you notice how the breakthrough has extended from an individual to a family, right? Now it's extended from a family to a nation. You see what's happened here. David alone went to face Goliath, right? But what happened after David defeated Goliath? These Israelites, many of them, they had only known utter defeat, right? In fact, there was a time not too far before this where the Philistines didn't allow anyone except for Saul and Jonathan to have a sword, right? Everyone else just had, you know, they, they, they didn't even have a blacksmith, right? So if they needed to sharpen their farming implements, they actually had to go to the Philistines and get them sharpened, right? Only Saul and Jonathan were allowed to have swords. They were used to being, if you will, under the foot of the Philistines, right? And what happened here is once David accomplishes this victory, then the same army that in verse 24 ran away when they saw Goliath. It's that same army, same people. But now, having seen this breakthrough, they shout, they defeat, they chase away, and they plunder, right? So you see what's happened. It started with an individual, then it went to a family, and now an entire nation is experiencing a victory, right? They didn't even know what victory tasted like, but now they chased them. And when it says they chased them all the way to Gath and Ekron, that's back to Philistia, right? Because they were in uh, the territory of Saul and his nation for this battle. They were chased all the way back, right? And then once they were chased completely out, then the army of Israel came back and plundered their stuff, you see? So it's the concept that the breakthrough that begins with you as an individual is then the breakthrough that touches your family, is then the breakthrough that you can minister to other people, right? So that they who've been under the foot of the devil and his schemes can be set free, right? And they can chase him away by the power of the Spirit and with your help ministering to them as someone who's discipling them and then they can plunder, right? They can take back what was probably taken from them 10 years before, okay? So again, How'd this happen to David, right? He was alone, tending sheep, not even knowing a feast was going on until some errand boy said, come quick, the the prophet wants to see you, right? He was discounted by his family. He was discounted by the king, um, but he wasn't discounted by God, right? And so the breakthrough that started with an individual moved to a family and now is touching a city state, right? A nation, right? The nation of Israel, So, one more breakthrough I want to talk about um, from the pages of Scripture, and that comes uh, through Jesus, right? And it was Jesus who, think about his background. He came from a town where people said, can anything good come from that town, right? Like, that's that's high praise. It's kind of like, well, what is... What is the Bay Area known for? Like, it's known for high tech, right? What is New York known for? It's known for fashion or, fine, you know, those kinds of things. What is Chicago known for? The greatest baseball team on the face of the earth, right? You can just go on, but imagine being from a town where people say, like, can anything good come from that place? Like, that's where Jesus chose to be from, right? In his, in his wisdom. He was mocked by his brothers. John 7 said even his own brothers didn't believe in him at the time uh, before his resurrection. He was um, despised and rejected by his nation and by the religious leaders, right? So, um, in fact, how's this for rejection? He was nearly pushed off a cliff by the people he grew up with. I mean, that's pretty tough, right? I mean, I, I might get laughed at if I go back to my elementary school town, but I don't think anyone's pushing me off a cliff. You know, you never know. Um, but that, that nearly happened to Jesus, except for the fact that he just kind of walked back through the crowd because it wasn't his time yet, right? Um, he, he once said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, right? So if you look at all those things, there's no way, even his appearance, right? Isaiah says there was nothing in his appearance that would draw us to him. Like, he, was, he didn't show up, like, every Jesus movie made in the last 10 years, Jesus is a supermodel, right? <laughs> he's like, he's like the greatest hunk on the face of the earth, plays Jesus. Like, that's, that's the last 10 years of, of, of cinematography, right? Um... That's not how Jesus showed up according to scripture. He didn't show up in fancy clothes. He didn't show up um, kind of looking the part of this global superstar who's gonna play in a major Hollywood production, right? It it wasn't that um, that was the essence. It was was the fact that he was the God man, fully man and fully God and, and God was blowing out of him in every situation and bursting onto the scene as he ushered in the kingdom of God. So it started as an individual, then a family, then one nation, and now a global, eternal breakthrough, okay? So let's read a few verses about Jesus and, and what he came to do and what he did in his power. God anointed, Je- this is Acts ten thirty eight. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him and we are witnesses of all things which he did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the, from the dead on the third day and showed him openly. So you see what Jesus came to do. He didn't just come for the, because it was great that David killed Goliath, and for a time they had victory over the Philistines, right? But what Jesus did was for all nations for all time, right? You see the difference? Instead of just one nation, one historical point, what Jesus did was, a global breakthrough and an eternal breakthrough because it was for not just that one nation, but it was for all who were under the power of the devil, right? That's all of us who were dead in our sins and in the uncircumcision of our sinful nature when he made us alive with Christ, okay? And so Jesus came, and for all who were under the power of the devil, he brought healing, he brought deliverance, okay? Um, and uh, <clears throat> let's read the next one also. This is uh, Hebrews two fourteen and 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break, him who, break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death, okay? And that, that, I just want to highlight that, that Greek word from the, from the previous verse, to break the power, okay? That's, that's the Greek word katergeo. It means to deprive of force, power, influence, okay? So that means that Jesus came along and the power, force, and influence that the devil had over you, over me, over your work colleague, over your fellow student, over your family member, Jesus came to deprive completely him of power, force, and influence, okay? So not just a sort of an an uneasy truce. Jesus did not come to forge an uneasy truce with the devil. He came to deprive him completely of force, power, and influence, okay, all right, so that in every area, in every sphere, where the devil has been reigning like the Philistines, they could be completely driven out, that's what Jesus came for, not an uneasy truce with a pattern of sin in your life, not an uneasy truce with a difficult situation, but a complete and utter defeat and plundering by the power of the Spirit, okay, um, <clears throat> And so I I think I already broke into this verse from Colossians 2, but when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made the public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Right, so this is kind of what it felt like for the Philistines, right? Because they were chased all the way back to their home, right? Looking like fools, right? There's, if, you, if you know from this era, when you came back to your hometown as a conqueror, there was a parade, there was a party. You brought, you know, like the Romans would bring back, say, exotic animals from the places they were. They would parade the captives in front of them. And then the conquering general would be there at the end in a chariot. Um, and uh, <coughs> Sorry, there's a patent reference, but I'm, I'm resisting the urge to... to talk to me later about, um, but anyway, Jesus, um, the Philistines experienced the opposite of that, right? They were running back. They might have cast aside their sword and their spear on the way just to get back without getting killed, right? And this is what Jesus did to the demonic powers and authorities. He completely disarmed them, and then he made them look like fools, which is kind of a modern way of saying he made a public spectacle of them. You see that? Um, And that's what Jesus did. Again, it's not an uneasy truce. It's a total domination, okay? Um, and then uh, one more verse I want to I read. Um, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. This is why the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil, okay? There's, there's no compromise here. Jesus came to destroy The works of the devil. Now, this this, uh, one other note on this Greek word, luo, which is translated here, destroy. Sometimes it means like untie or unloose. So you can think of that as like someone who's in spiritual or physical bondage and you pray and you see them. Um, There's a perfect picture of this in the Gospels where there was a woman who was hunched over like this and Jesus healed her and then he said, Shouldn't I have done this to this woman who's been bound by Satan, shouldn't I have unbound her so now she could, you know, be healed, right? So that's one way this word is used. It's also used, though, to mean dissolve, overthrow, destroy, right? Second Peter uses it to describe what's going to happen at the end of time when the elephants, uh, elephants, the elements melt and everything kind of, everything just dissolves. I'm sure elephants will be caught up in that because everything is going to, is gonna, you know, just be ablaze, right, and and be wiped out. Um, Jesus did not come for a compromise but a complete destruction of the enemy's purposes. And so you see, it started with an individual, moved to a family, then to a nation, then to all nations for all eternity, all who are willing to receive him. Okay? And when Jesus came, he brought healing for those who were oppressed by the devil, we read. In him the power of death is broken. In him, life comes to those who are dead, and debts are canceled, and our sins, if we believe in him, are nailed to the cross, um, never to come back. The spiritual powers and authorities are utterly defeated, um, and the devil's works are destroyed. So it's gone from one individual all the way to a global, eternal redemption story. So again, we ask this about... um, We asked this about Tamar, we asked this about Ruth, we asked this about David. Now how could this have happened through Jesus, right? He was despised, rejected, mocked, and murdered with two criminals, one on each side, right? But it was because he was the God-man, fully God, fully man, who lived that perfect, sinless life, died on the cross, and was raised, and through that act brought breakthrough to all who receive him, right? For all time, for all of humanity. Where did Jesus come from? Matthew 1.1 1, 1 says Jesus was the son of God, uh, son of David, the son of Abraham. Verse 3 of Matthew 1 says G- Judah begot Perez by Tamar. Verses 5 and 6 say that Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. And 16 and 17 say that Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So you see, what began in one story, one baby breaking through. That breakthrough is the, it's, it's like it's on the family crest of who Jesus is, right? It's on the family crest of who we are as his children. Breakthrough is part of our identity because it's part of Jesus' identity. That's the family that he chose to come from. It's a family that circumstantially you could say, There are a lot of people who would have been rejected by the people of their day, just like Ruth could have been, just like David was, just like Jesus was, right? So that wasn't the critical reason why God would choose or not choose. The reason why God chose is because of the grace of God that was on them, hearts that were devoted to him, those who would follow after him. And Jesus, obviously, the perfect Example of that. He only did what the Father told him to do. He only said what the Father told him to say. And so this brings us to our fifth and final breakthrough, okay? And that's your breakthrough and my breakthrough, okay? So we've gone from an individual, a familial, a national, city national, um, a global eternal, and now a transformational. I want to uh, share a few verses that show as clearly as Scripture can thri- show that this grace, this power of breakthrough is extended to you and me, okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Um, and then uh, also Romans five seventeen: for if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, okay? So, The the gospel writers and the writers of the epistles were making it abundantly clear that the victory that Jesus ushered in permanently and eternally through his life, death, and resurrection extends to us. The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ is why we should be thanking God. And then Paul said in Romans, if you receive this, if you're willing to receive this, the free gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ then that's how you reign in life, okay? So reigning in life is not about how hard you work, um, the product of your birth, or the wealth of your parents, or anything like that. It's, it's laid out quite clearly here. If you receive this grace, and of the free gift of life, you can reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And that's God's purpose for us, okay? What, what do we have next, by the way, in the way of verses? Um, yep, okay. And then, What did Jesus call us to do having received this breakthrough, okay? Matthew 28 and also um, Acts 1.8, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, okay? So Jesus is making it quite clear by the two things he said between his resurrection and ascension I have all the authority and the power. It's been given to me. And by the way, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You're gonna be my witnesses here into the far corners of the earth, okay? Jesus was making it clear again and again, this breakthrough that I ushered in is for you to receive, okay? It's for you and me to experience. Not just, wow, that was a great story. What a cool family, right? The, The coolest part is, You and I are in that family, okay? Romans 8.29 says, those God foreknew, he also, um, it's maybe a few verses down, but um, those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, okay? So here's the good news. This family we've been reading about, okay, if you belong to Christ, then you're adopted into it, all right? And Jesus is your big brother, who has gone through everything, has defeated everything, and is the one who now empowers you to have breakthrough um, in areas of your life. I remember when uh, I was um, a second grader and um, one day I was walking home from school and uh, like the tough kids in the neighborhood started throwing ice balls at me and then my big brother showed up and fought them off. You know, So that's the, uh, a vivid memory I have of my childhood. Um, in which I was outmatched, but together with my big brother, I was not outmatched, right? And so Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That means great news. What started with an individual, then a family, then a nation, then all people for all eternity who trust and obey him, this is us. We're in that family, okay? We actually belong to that family, Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, okay? That means he's my brother, he's your brother if you trust in Christ. And that means that the breakthrough that you're looking for, it's not just something you pray for from the standpoint of anything other than this is in my family heritage, this is who we are, okay? I read this and I say, you and I, we're in the family of Perez, we're in the family of Ruth, we're in the family of David, we're in the family of Jesus, and this is etched on our family crest is that Perez, that spirit of breakthrough, okay? So um, it's, it's natural to read this and say, or to hear this and say, like, you know, who am I to be named in this mighty number? If you only knew where I came from, what I've done, who my parents are, how long I've prayed about something and, and haven't seen the circumstances line up the way I would like them to line up, um, well, just remember what we've been talking about. You could say the same thing about Perez. Why Perez? Right? Why Ruth? Um, Why David? Why Jesus? They had so many natural circumstances that would have and did have their contemporaries completely write them off, right? They were completely discounted by their contemporaries. But what matters is what God sees, and God looks at the heart, right? Not at the external circumstances of your birth or where you came from or what your life was like before Christ, okay? So I want to ask the music team to come forward, uh, please, now, as we're, uh, as we're wrapping up. Um, and I just want to ask everyone just to take a moment of reflection. That's it. Just, just reflect for a moment and ask yourself, do I really believe that I'm part of this family, okay? Where Jesus said, I'm the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Do I really believe that I am in that family, okay? And if I am in that family, if I've trusted Christ, okay? If I'm saying, Jesus, you're the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and I'm in that family and that means that I, uh, um, and, and that means as a consequence that I'm in the family of Perez and Ruth, and David, and Jesus, um, then what is the breakthrough that you seek today? Okay? So you might look at yourself and say, the biggest thing I'm thinking about right now is an individual breakthrough. Okay? I've been, I've been praying very hard for a specific situation, a health situation, a work situation. Uh, you know, you, you want to have a breakthrough in, in your studies, or um, you, you want to have a breakthrough in um, uh, being able to have a child, or any number of other things. Um, you know maybe it's a maybe it's a family breakthrough maybe you're looking at your family and saying I'm a believer but there's so many people that I've been praying for for so long and I just haven't seen headway and and you're believing that what happened in you would become stamped on your family okay maybe it's a a breakthrough for the city and the nation You're, you're here because you care there are easier places, maybe more cost-effective places to live, but you're here because you chose to give yourself to seeing this city transformed with the gospel. And you are praying for a breakthrough, and you're thinking about a specific area or strata of society or a, you know, an artistic community or a student community or um, uh, children who are disadvantaged f- from various reasons. Um, and you're you're praying for and you're hoping for a breakthrough, okay? And then there's the world, right? The world is is, uh, as John Wesley said, the world is my parish, right? He would not confine himself to anywhere else. then our purpose is to see the whole world transform, okay? Um, and maybe it's all of the above, right? Any of us could say yes to any of those things, okay? But um, I just want to ask you now, if you if you find yourself in that place and you say, I want to see a breakthrough in some area, okay? Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you, okay? Let's pray, okay? If there's any area where you say, Pastor Ron, would you join me? If there's any area where you say, I want to see a breakthrough, I want to believe for a breakthrough, um, we're going to pray for you now, okay? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray with the spirit of faith that you gave us. Father, I thank you for this incredible story from the pages of the Bible. The best part is that it's true. It started with one individual who had a breakthrough that nobody would have expected. And then that family was birthed. And everyone in that village after that time, they said, We hope you end up like him in the way that he birthed something different. And then there was a young man from that family who stood up for an entire city nation and ushered in a breakthrough for his nation ushered in victory, ushered in um, where there'd been defeat and discouragement, ushered in total victory. And then, of course, we pray in the name of the mighty King Jesus, the one to whom all authority in heaven and on earth has been given. And this is the family you chose to be birthed in, God. And you ushered in the greatest breakthrough in history because it wasn't just for one individual, for one family, or for one nation at one time. It was for all nations at all time for all who trust you and for all who believe in you. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for this flock. If if, if you're looking for a breakthrough, just lift your hands to God. He is the only one who can do what we've been describing this whole message. He's the only one. Just lift your hands to him. Father, Pastor Rollin and I, we stand in agreement in faith and by the power of your spirit for everyone here who says I need a breakthrough, just a breakthrough in my life. I need victory from a pattern of sin. I feel like it's just held me, but, but now I know that God doesn't want me to have a truce with an area of sin. He wants me to see it utterly defeated and driven out of my heart and life forever. And in Jesus' name, we speak that breakthrough for you now. In Jesus' name, for those who have had health issues, um, you just uh, uh, whatever health issue they might be, um, in Jesus' name, we speak your breakthrough right now. In Jesus' name. Come Holy Spirit and do these miracles, God. God, for those who've had chronic pain, God, for those who've had um, many kind of neuropsychiatric disorders, God, for those who've um, sought to have children and and thus far been unable, God, whatever the breakthrough is, we speak it in Jesus' name. I pray, God, for those who are seeking a professional breakthrough, that you would open up streams of revenue, streams of opportunity, streams of blessing, God, as, as your people seek to be here to build your kingdom, God. I'm asking you that they could sow, even like Isaac, sow in the year of famine and reap a hundredfold because he's in their family too. You brought it all to us. You brought it all to bear through the life of Jesus. Let that come. God, I'm believing you now. We're believing you now and trusting you for anyone who's praying for a family and saying, God, let our family see a breakthrough. Let us see a change. God, I'm, I'm a believer, but I don't see anyone else in my family. Maybe you're a spouse and and you're, you're a believer now, but your spouse isn't, um, or some long-prayed-for family member or some errant child, in Jesus' name, we speak that breakthrough right now, right now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, we pray for all those who are gathered here who are saying, this is my city. I'm planting a flag here for Jesus Christ. I'm joining together with the men and women in this church. I'm planting a flag for Jesus Christ. God, give them the breakthrough that they seek in Jesus' name. God, as they, as they go into academia, as they go into the sciences, as they go into law, medicine, business, God, as they uh, seek to develop education centers to, to lift up um, those who are bowed down, in Jesus' name we pray, usher in that breakthrough. Give favor with government, God. Give favor with high-ranking officials. Give favor with businesses to fund the work of the kingdom of God here in this city. God, thank you for a breakthrough that smashes through those curtains and and pushes them back as we expand to the left and the right. Excuse me. God, and thank you for an international and global breakthrough. I thank you for this first mission trip this summer. God, thank you that it's the first of many. Thank you that the leaders on this mission trip are the leaders of leaders for so many more mission trips. God, thank you that this place is just going to be one where there's a trip after a trip after a trip and there's a nation after a nation after a nation. God, that the nations would be reached through your gospel, through your gospel. The, the worship team's now going to sing a song and, and um, it's all about how Jesus broke through, how he won the victory all right, how he paid it all for you, how he won the victory. Just, just know that pastors or guest speakers or anything, it's, it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit, okay? So as you sing that song, watch as the Holy Spirit begins to do that work to, uh, the word is katergeo, to completely destroy, demolish, untie, unbind whatever the devil was doing, and bring your breakthrough today. In Jesus' name, okay? In Jesus' name we pray man